holy name father we give you praise and we give you glory you are the doer of all good things you're the doer of all good things every good thing and every perfect thing comes from above the father of lights in whom there is no variableness there is no variableness in you there is no shadow of turning in you there is no variableness there is no shadow of turning thank you for giving us good gifts thank you for saving our souls thank you for forgiving our sins thank you for delivering our hearts and our lives from destruction thank you for crowning our, our lives with your tender mercies and your loving kindness oh thank you Jesus but for the mercies of the Lord would have been long consumed but we are still standing here only because you made a way only because your grace stood for us only because your mercy is still speaking over our lives and we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory father lord as we gather around your word this morning we pray that every single person under the sound of my voice hearing these words of truth is blessed edified strengthened encouraged and empowered by the power of your spoken word in the name of jesus it will not just be information to their ears or just in, you know enlightenment to their hearts it will be empowerment to their hands in the name of jesus father we give you praise and we give you glory you are good and your mercies endure forever for in jesus precious name we have prayed amen can we celebrate jesus once again don't ever get tired of celebrating jesus don't ever get tired of celebrating jesus that's all we're going to be doing when we get to heaven anyways so you can as well get used to that father we thank you you can have your seat in god's presence as we get into god's word amen and amen hallelujah praise god amen <laughs> amen god is so good god is good god is good is not just a cliche that we say to get people's attention it's the reality of who god is he's always 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 good it's always good always good there's a lot of echo and feedback but we will manage for the time being amen but can we all hear me hallelujah so i'll be sharing with you a thought this morning i'd imagine that we're going to start a series today but the lord began to quicken my heart last week concerning this thought that i'm about to share with you and i believe it's because it's a now word for every single person under the sound of my voice the lord will not quicken my heart to speak a word to you all right from him if it's not useful and impactful for your situation and that's why i believe strongly that um the lord has a word for you just like pastor peace earlier said um, the lord has a word for every single one of us so you you listen to what the word of god has to say to you you listen for yourself because trust me there is so much in his word for you so much in his word a life that jetitions the word of god is a life that jetitions his life right because the word of god is life praise the name of the lord so believe to see what what uh, what are we trying to scratch here what are we trying to expose to the people of god psalms chapter 27 psalms chapter 27 verse 13 as we begin to examine the thoughts from scripture psalms 27 verse 13 amen father we give you praise oh thank you jesus i'm so full of gratitude I'm so full of gratitude i'm so full of gratitude this morning hallelujah let's have kjv would have amplified and then we'll have tpt kjv first amen Woo. glory to god quickly please quickly 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 amen the bible says i had fainted all right in essence i would have fainted unless i had believed to see the goodness of the lord in the land of believing I would have given up i would have lost my heart except i believed to see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living amplified what what would have become of me had i not believed that i would see the lord's goodness in the land of the living wow tpt what does it say the passion translation wow can we do that quickly it doesn't exist on your system all right who has who has the passion on his phone and read it out to us 
And he's born on, on her phone. Okay. Yet I totally trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see once again how good you are while I'm still alive. Praise the name of the Lord. So I'm going to stay here and amplify it. He says, what, what would have become of me had I, not, had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? He's yet to see the goodness. But what was sustaining him until he sees that goodness was the fact that he believed he was going to see it. Listen, there's something more important than the realities of your experiences right now. It is about the hope in your heart. David is saying that I would have lost hope. I would have entered into depression. I would have entered into despair if I had not believed to see. Trust me, if you have a man who has everything in the world, everything money can buy, but he has lost his ability to keep believing to see, that man will find stench and rot and irritation in everything that he has. In spite of the fact that he has all of those things, the fact that he has lost his hope makes him incapable of continuing to live. And that's why people take their lives once they get into depression. What happens when you get into depression is that your capacity to believe to see has been taken away. The capacity you have to continue to believe that eventually I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That I will see the goodness of God. I will see my life change. I will see the transformation of Nigeria. I will see the transformation of my realities. The fact that you can still keep believing is the reason why you are still here. If you stop believing that, you will cease to find a reason to, to wake up every morning. You will cease to have reasons to do that. Because you stopped believing to see. And so this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you an encouraging word that will take you out of despair because I know we live in a country where a lot of things have happened in the last several months. In fact, beginning from January, February, of course, March, the pandemic started. And then, of course, after the pandemic and then everybody was trying to get their fitting and all of that. Uh, then the protests started and then a lot of shootings, killings, bloodshed. And then you're almost wondering, and of course, you remember the night where Jackpot became the, the trendy thing on Twitter and on, you know, social media. Everybody wanted to find the next available visa to Canada and anywhere else, anywhere else but Nigeria. Because people are just had enough. They, they were just tired. And they were nearing depression. I mean, how many of you remember seeing a lot of organizations who were saying, you know what, if you need to, if you need to talk to someone, if you're nearing depression, please, we have free helplines where you can speak to people. And all of that and you wonder any life who doesn't have a significant injection of God's Word is in trouble because where do you anchor where do you place your hope what is the guarantee that what you believe will happen will happen what's the guarantee what guarantees that nothing and no one not even the government can guarantee anything in the future the richest man in the world will give everything he has to have an idea what will happen in the next five years so that he will be richer by then. Do you understand? Because if he does not know and there's something that will take all of that money away from him, he will still be poor by that time anyways. And so a rich man understands that if I give all my billions right now to have an idea of what will happen in the next five years, I will be far richer than I have given up today. Do you understand? And so no one, not even the government, not the economy can guarantee the future except the one who holds the future in his hands and so despair comes when people cease to believe to see when they stop believing in the future when they lose hope and a person with hope is someone that you cannot kill you can't kill someone who still has hope in his heart you can't kill him you can't put him down and so i'm going to be sharing with you two things that i believe has been the major sponsor all right of despair hopelessness not just in nigeria generally in the world two things of course there are more than that but the lord has just quickened my heart to these two things and i'd like you to pay attention to them one of those things that sponsors despair and hopelessness in your life number one is unhealthy comparisons unhealthy comparisons and this is this is the folly of unhealthy comparison 
If you're into business here, you understand that there are no two businesses that are the same. In the same vein, there are no two properties that are the same. No matter how similar they are, if you value both of them, they can't give you the exact same value. Because the location has a component. It has a factor to play. If you have this exact same building in another location, just behind it, beside it, it can't be beneath it anyways, but anywhere around it, this exact same building that costs the exact same thing in terms of cost of materials, it will not value the same in the market. It won't value the same because the locations are different. In the same vein, every single human being, no matter how many lines or parallels that you find between someone else and another, I, I, I'm going to try to explain this using, of course, business terms. If you're building a, a model, a business model, like I said, no two businesses are the same. Even if it's the exact same type of business you're doing, you cannot afford to use the exact same assumptions that the business you're trying to benchmark used to build his own model to build yours because those two businesses even if it's just location that is different it makes the assumptions significant and so when you begin to compare your life because you feel that oh this person and I we started together in primary school we went to the same university we should at least be comparable with how advanced we are in life because that's the basis of comparison people don't compare themselves with people that they don't have reasons to compare themselves with you will not typically compare yourself with someone who is older than you significantly, who is far richer than you, who lives in another economy, in another world. Most often than not, it's your secondary schoolmate that you went to university together, that you went to the same camp, NYSE, and that is doing far better than you today, that you are likelier to compare yourself with than the guy who was born 10 years before you were born. So you would already find parallels between you and that person then you will not begin to transfer assumptions. You will not begin to transfer the same assumptions that has created that person's reality into your own reality. And therefore, you will come up with a very wrong conclusions because the assumptions critical and unique to you, they are not the same for anybody in the world. You cannot use the same assumptions for them for yourself. Jesus and John the Baptist were born six months apart six months i mean jesus could practically say that you are not older than me we are literally age mates you celebrate your birthday in june i celebrate mine in december the exact same year we're exactly the same age isn't it by the age of 2021 thereabouts john the baptist was packing stadiums out you don't understand every single person in jerusalem and in judea they were looking for john the baptist all the men that mattered went to look for him in the wilderness the pharisees the sadducees the soldiers the kings were afraid of this young man he was not yet 30. he was the most powerful spiritual figure in the entire land of israel and there was a jesus christ who is just six months younger than him who is living in the exact same reality who is living in the exact same location but Jesus never fell for the temptation of comparing himself with John the Baptist. If you were Jesus, this is the savior of the world, Jesus Christ, the savior of the world. You have a contemporary who is just six months older than you and he's already doing this much massive stuff at the age of 21, 22, doing terrible things in righteousness, rebuking kings. He was not yet 30. He would look at the king and say, what is wrong with you? What are you doing with the second wife? He will rebuke soldiers and say, stop this nonsense you are doing. Stop this brutality. He from the wilderness will be correcting their ills and the policies in the city. Bible says the Pharisees and Sadducees will come to him and he will be rebuking them and say, why, why are you here? Who told you of the judgment to come? You brood of vipers. He was that caustic against unrighteousness. He was that venomous literally. And this guy was so fearless. John the Baptist, he was so fearless. But Jesus understood that you see if I look at the appearance of things and compare myself with him using similar assumptions I will come up with a wrong conclusion I will come up with a wrong model for myself and that's that that is that's why the folly of comparing yourself with another person is so is so huge because in the book what was written of both of them is that John the Baptist was made for Jesus even though in reality Jesus was still in the carpenter shop while John the Baptist was blowing up and down 
in Jerusalem and in Judea. When you look at John the Baptist and you look at Jesus Christ, when Jesus was 28, and of course John the Baptist was 28, John the Baptist was more fulfilled, quote-unquote, he was more successful, he had the biggest crowds in town, Jesus was only a carpenter's son who was delivering tables every weekend. In that which was written concerning them, there will be no John the Baptist if not for Jesus. But that is something that only Jesus and John the Baptist had privy. They were privy to only two of them were privy to that. Anyone looking at that from the external will say, ah, John the Baptist has blown. Jesus has not blown. And maybe Jesus will never blow, isn't it? And that's the folly. And so the devil will come to Jesus and say, look at your mate. Look at what he's doing. Look at what John the Baptist is doing. You were born six months apart. You should have made some significant progress in your life. You don't own a carpenter shop yourself. You see your father's own. You are using it for God's sake. You are still living in your father's house. You are 28. What are you doing with your life? Look at John the Baptist. Even with his rugged girdle, he's commanding millions. His ministry is the largest in town. What are you doing with your life? But there was a superior spirit that kept telling Jesus, listen, there is something written of you in the volume of the books the reason why john the baptist is even alive and breathing and he's doing that much glory is because of you calm down your season is yet to come and so when you find those parallels with some of your colleagues and your mates and you begin to feel like ah, this person has gone ahead of me and this one that is very prevalent especially in a social media generation you go online you go on instagram you see pictures you see people traveling out here and there and you're like this guy we were in the same class what are you doing that I'm not doing? Hey, your life is different. You are following a unique script for your life. If you try to compare yourself, you will on your destiny. Stop it. So you go on social media and you see all those glam and all those makeup. Nobody puts their wrong foot forward. They will take 37 pictures, edit the one that is the best and put it out there. They will, that one that is the best, they will still edit it. Though. They will contour it so that everything will be... You understand? Well, for who does not know how to edit? Praise God. They taught me this thing yesterday. So I heard I heard about it. So I'm using it. I'm trying to be you know current. But hey, well, for who does not understand what God has written concerning him? Isn't it? Yeah. That's it. Do you know what was written concerning you before? Do you have an idea? That is what you should benchmark against. Once you benchmark against the wrong reference, even if your calculation is right, your conclusions will be wrong. Listen, there is an algorithm. The calculation may be right, but because the assumptions are predominantly wrong, your conclusions will be wrong. The model may be airtight. The software may be solid. But once you plug in the wrong assumptions based on a wrong reference point, you, you get the entire model wrong. And if you execute that model, that business will crash the first month. It will crash. Because you used the wrong assumptions. Even when the model, the, 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 the calculations, the algorithm was solid. Be careful. Because John and John the Baptist are powerful examples. John the Baptist was such a powerful guy. That when, people, when Jesus began to blow small, small. And people began to try to compare him. They say, who do men say that I am? Matthew 16. His disciples were giving him feedback of public opinion. And they were saying, some said Elijah. Some said John the Baptist. How can you mention Elijah in the same breath with John the Baptist? That was how massive John the Baptist was. was such a massive dude. Great guy. But even John the Baptist knew that he was lesser. That there was somebody coming after him. Whose latchet of shoes he was not worthy to untie. There was somebody who was going to baptize with fire and the Holy Ghost. If Jesus had not known that he would have died of depression. If Jesus had not understood what was written concerning him. And the position of John the Baptist in reference to him. He would have, he would have died of inferiority complex and unhealthy comparisons. Where is my own congregation? I, I'm, I'm 29 years old and a half. I'm still living in my father's house. I have no congregation. I'm supposed to be the savior of the world. But here I am. Even wine, I'm still trying to turn to water. Hey, be careful. Be careful of unhealthy comparisons. And the reason why unhealthy comparison is so dangerous is because of time. You, you say, time is going. I should be here by now. Based on projections. Whose projections? Based on projections, based on what I had assumed and imagined that I would have gotten to by this time. 
And by this time, at least, oh, you gave me nothing, maybe three cars, isn't it? At least, I should have been married by now. And so based on your carnal, fleshly projections, you judge where you are at now based on those projections without consulting with the projections that matter. There is something written of you in the volume of the books. If you do not compare your life with that note, you will make a wrong conclusion on the progress your life has made. When the Bible says the path of the just is as a shining light, it was not talking about the path of your physical life. It's talking about your life in the spirit. Trust me, there is never a better yesterday for a born-again Christian. Never. It does not matter what you go through today, whether it was worse today than it was yesterday. In the realm of the spirit, there is nothing called a better yesterday. The path of a just in the spirit is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter onto the, onto the perfect day. And so even when your bank account is flatter now than it was last year, you are better now than you were last year. There is something called the realm of the spirit. When you benchmark against that which was spoken of you concerning you in the realm of the spirit, there is no way joy will not burst forth in your spirit. Because you see, unhealthy comparison, it produces depression and low self-esteem. But when you benchmark against that which was written concerning you in the volume of the books, it produces inspiration and pursuit. Oh, you are excited about what the Lord has spoken concerning you. He says, great things are spoken of you, O city of the living God. You are the city of the living God. And great things have been spoken of you. So there was an incident. This is the time when I have to, sorry. There was a time in the life of Elijah and Elisha where Elijah had just died. If you can get that scripture for me, I'll be glad. Elijah had just, just died. And of course, Elisha was going to take the mantle of Elijah, isn't it? And so, of course, you know all the length of, you know, haggling and all that I was going on between Elijah and Elisha. Follow me to Jericho. Okay, stop. Okay, I'll follow you till when you're caught up. Okay, okay, okay. Whatever you want, when you see me, you receive it. Then Elisha receives it. And then he's coming back from Jordan. He, he, he parts the Red Sea or rather he parts Jordan. And then of course the other sons of the prophet were saying, Oh, fantastic. You are now the new Elijah. You, Elisha, though, but you are now the, the prophet in town. You are the main guy right now. And so they bow to him paying obedience. And then they asked Elisha, uh, Let's go and carry the body of Elijah. I'm never aware of, uh, uh, familiar with this story. You've read the story before. You, you know about this story. This is not Fabu. Okay, fantastic. Let's go and get the body of Elijah. Elisha said, don't bother. You know, you know the assumptions. The assumptions was that. Perhaps. Oh boy. Please let them go and search for your master. Lest perhaps the spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him down on some mountain. Or into some valley. And he said, you shall not send anyone. This negates the protocol of the spirit. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord will raise you up and smash you down. It's not consistent with the Holy Ghost. And Bible says they wearied him for several days. Until he said, you know what? For your own sake, not for my sake. I know my father had been taken by the chariots of fire into the heavens. But just to your own conscience go ahead let's read on but when they urged him till he was ashamed he said send them therefore they sent 50 men and they searched for three days you can't find a man that has been lifted by the spirit you can't find him in the valley you can't find him in the uh, on some mountain that is the trajectory of every person born of the spirit God will not raise you up by the spirit and smash you down. No, he never does that. That's not consistent with the trajectory of the spirit. And even though your bank account may look like it has grown a little lean, even though somebody broke up with you that was in your life last year, but it broke up with you two days ago, your life, according to the trajectory of the spirit, is the path of the just that shines brighter and brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Elisha knew this much about the Holy Spirit. He says, don't bother. Holy Spirit, carry you and take you down. It doesn't happen. 
It's a forward ever. Upward and forward forever. That's the path of the Spirit. And so you must never engage in anything that will begin to compare notes with someone whose original notes you have no access to. There is an original note. For all you care, the person who you say is doing better than you. He, the notes written concerning him before, he, he may be doing a very terrible job at his life. Remember the church, was it Laodicea? Bible says these guys were rich. When you look at them, every church wants to be like them. Every church was benchmarking this church. They will look at their, you know, Bible study manuals. They'll go and get their curriculums. They will try to benchmark the church at Laodicea. This was the biggest church in Lagos. This was the best church in the world. This was the church that everybody gathered around. They were the ones doing ministers' conference. That's how you know those kind of churches. Because they are the ones that will do ministers' conference where other pastors and churches will gather. This was the Laudation church. But when the Lord looked at the Laudation church, he said, you're wretched, you're poor, you're naked, you're empty. Even though in the presence of every other person, you look like the best thing that happened to the church. You look like the best thing that happened to the body of Christ. But my evaluation is superior. It doesn't matter if it's the whole world that believes one thing. God's opinion tilts the scale. Just God's opinion. It tilts the scale. It doesn't matter if the whole world believes one thing. One of God's opinion, just tilts it. It's what matters more. So you must be careful. When you compare your life, it must be with a script written and formed in the spirit. Are you still with me? Unhealthy comparisons. The second thing that causes despair, because trust me, unhealthy comparison causes a lot of despair and depression. How many of you realize that there was a lot of time, there was a time then when Instagram had to remove the likes, isn't it? Because they saw that folks were doing a lot of introspective, dangerous and negative introspections whenever they checked their pictures and they see that the likes are not as many. Or the likes of somebody that they should be doing better than is more than their own. So more people were taking their own lives, teenagers, young adults. So they removed your ability to see what will hurt you. So you will not see the likes. Just be Others, you can see your own likes, right? But others cannot see your likes. So because others cannot see it, you're not under the pressure to perform for anybody. So you are the only one that can see your own likes. That, that was how terrible things got. Because people were consistently, ever, every day, comparing themselves. And it happens in churches. It happens everywhere and it can cause depression it can cause despair it can cause you to feel sorry for yourself you should never feel sorry for yourself why are you feeling sad about your own life god ordained your life god created your life god fashioned your life god placed you where you are calm down god is taking you somewhere 29 years old 355 days jesus was still in his father's carpenter shop by the 30th listen the 30th year after the baptism after the fulfillment of the days in the wilderness in overcoming the temptation of the devil bible says his fame without a single word or message his fame spread abroad spread abroad so fast john the baptist was scared john the baptist his fame without a single message oh boy there's something they call cumulated harvest. There's something they call explosive increase. There's something like that. If you will get your stakes down into the ground and wait on the timing of God, when he's ready for you, you will be shocked at how overwhelmed you will be. Shocked. Stop it. Unhealthy comparison is dangerous. It will lead to despair. Don't do that. The second thing that leads to despair is broken walls. Are you hear what I'm saying? Broken walls, broken walls. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. Broken walls leads to despair. Hopelessness, not helplessness. Hopelessness. Broken walls. Bible says a man that has no control over his spirit, the Bible says, but that spirit is referring to your heart, your soul. Right? Your soul. If you have no control over your soul, Bible says, you are like a city. With broken down walls, you are vulnerable to anything and everything. 
What, what, what is a life that has a broken wall? When you are not the one that determines the content of your confines. Ah. You know, when a city's wall is broken, it does not determine what enters. It can't determine it. It's at the mercy of whatever it is that wants to enter it. But when a city has walls, whoever needs to get in there has to seek the permission of the owner of that city. And then they will allow you and it won't be through the wall, it will be through the gate. So when a city has broken walls, it's vulnerable to anything. And trust me, that city is talking about we human beings. And there are some lives that are broken. Their lives, the, the, the walls around them. There is no defense mechanism. For example, I, this is one of the signs that you have a broken wall system in your city, which is your life. So a trend begins to happen today. And you leave all the important things you had planned to do today. And you go on Twitter and you spend five hours on Twitter. That's a broken wall. You mend it. Never allow things to take over your city without your deliberate permission. Broken walls lead to despair. So, any trend on Twitter, you go there and you want to get to the root of it. The root for which you cannot help. You just want to know it for knowing sake. It does not affect you in any way. It does not affect you positively in any way. Instead, it drowns the faith and the belief you have in your spirit. Any news around you seeps quickly into your consciousness. Any sad news around you seeps quickly into your consciousness because the defense of your life is weakened. The walls are not strong enough. Do you know how strong walls used to be in those days? The walls of Jericho were so strong because it was the primary mode of defense for every city. On the walls of Jericho, seven chariots could run side by side. And a chariot consists of two horses and a cart. So 14 horses will run side by side on top of the wall. <laughs> Do you understand? That was how fat the wall was. The men of Jericho saw the children of Israel walking around it for seven days, but they called it folly because if they had not, they would have you know, chased them away if they felt threatened. They couldn't feel threatened because there was a wall so fat, nothing could penetrate except they wanted it to come in. That was why they didn't bother the children of Israel. Those ones were just going up. They said, this was, when they are tired, they will leave. This wall is impenetrable. The walls were the defense systems of cities. And when you don't have control over your soul, you don't have control over what enters into your soul. What enters into your soul through social media, through the news, through your happenings, then you have a broken wall system. And such things, you become very vulnerable. In fact, health-wise, when your antibodies and your white blood cells become weakened kata can kill that person kata right malaria because the entire system the walls are down anything that enters can take over and become king in that city a goat can become king because the walls are down and so even something that is not as powerful can enter and just infiltrate and just take over and so you must ensure that you build your walls high where the gates is guarded by the word of god Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 and so what sifts what enters and exits that space is the word of God guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life if you don't guard your heart with all diligence if you do not mount the word at the gate of your city and you allow your walls crumble trust me you become vulnerable anything can cause you depression anything and so when you see lives even though they have all the things that money can buy they are incapable of encouraging themselves because they lack the word and so you see folks who are rich who are even comedians die of suicide i wonder how did you die do you know what people are going through in some countries and they are not dying and they are laughing every day putting up memes on social media you you have all these things and you, you are killing yourself what they, they, it's almost unthinkable isn't it because their walls are down any little thing if you perhaps ask their dead self why did they commit suicide the answer may irritate you maybe somebody didn't like their picture maybe that's it somebody they wanted to get his attention didn't give his attention back and they can't cope with it anymore so your life becomes very very fickle and tender anything 
can infiltrate and take over. Broken walls can cause despair. Now, how do you banish despair? We need to move into that. As I begin to wrap up this thought, how do you banish despair? Because despair is the absence of a picture for the future. If you have nothing to believe for, you have nothing to live for. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you have nothing to believe for, if somebody asks you, what are you believing for? And you have nothing to say. You have nothing to live for. Because your life is entering into the future. And if that future does not carry pictures of what you are believing for, then you are not living for anything. Do you understand? And so if you have nothing you are believing for, you have nothing to live for. And so how do you banish fear? Or rather despair, of course, it's also connected to fear and anxieties and depression. How do you banish that? The first thing, meditate on the goodness of God meditate meditate on the goodness of God meditate on the goodness of God meditate on the goodness of God oh God meditate on the goodness of God listen all God has done for you you have no mental capacity to accurately discern how good he has been you don't have that capacity. You have to believe in the goodness of God ultimately by faith. You cannot deconstruct your life and begin to itemize all the areas God has been good and effectively evaluate the sum of them all. You cannot. It's impossible. Eventually, you just have to believe that indeed, no matter all that you have gone through in your life, you have to come to a place of conclusion. Like you say, God is good. In spite of every single thing that may have been negative that you have gone through, the summary of everything is that God is good. His goodness is so overwhelming that if He reveals a portion of it to you, you can't handle it. So overwhelming. The song says, All my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so good. With every breath, I'm able I will sing of the goodness of God amen no you, you, it, it's okay don't worry oh let, 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 let's let's hear the song as, as, we, as we move on come go ahead I love you Lord while the song is going on can you just think of the goodness of God in your life you think God may or not have been good because you don't have all the alternative possibilities that could have happened if he had not been good <laughs> you, you, you don't have the foresight and, and the purview of God to see all the possible alternatives that could have happened had he not been good the only option you are experiencing is the path of his goodness. So you don't have that oversight to see all the things that could have happened if God had not been good. You have to come to that conclusion. All your life, God has been good. God did not take his feet off the goodness total for one second. Not one second. Every single day of your life, he's been so good. And every single time you have the opportunity to rise in the morning, give him praise for his goodness. Hiya. Can you increase the volume? Hala Frazita. It's closer than your breath. Oh, I like that. That's my favorite line. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. A friend is here when I need him. A father can correct me and make me cry sometimes, but it's for the ultimate good. I've known him as both. All my life, he's been so, And so the devil wants you to start comparing your life with another person's life. And say, God, what about me? Why is he doing better? Who says he's better? He alone is the one that can give that qualification for any life. And when he looks at your life, he says, you're living a good life. Because I'm good. Of the goodness of God. You have no basis for depression, for despair, for anxiety, for fears. Woo! 
Even when I say, God, I'm tired, His goodness overwhelms me. It runs after me. It chases up with me. It catches up with me until it overwhelms me with His goodness. Meditate on the goodness of God. Remember, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. <laughs> to change your attitude for life. All my life has been faithful. He didn't go on vacation for one day. His goodness was with you when you had your worst days. <laughs> your worst days were not enough to scare away his goodness. Every single day. So, so good. So, so good. So, so good. So, so good. this kind of goodness what did you do sir did you lobby God to be good to you unlike you have to lobby government officials and say I like you I bribe you be good to me no God he's just good because he's good to you for nothing that you have done to deserve it nothing just because he's a good God nobody put pressure on God to be good to you Nobody is influencing him to be good. He is good in one you don't acknowledge it. Ah, what kind of God is this? He's so good. And I know people always try to evaluate God's goodness based on their experiences. It's called short-sightedness. You can't see everything he has done for you. So you have no, you don't have the capacity to evaluate his goodness. You don't have it. You come to that conclusion by faith in his word. His word says he's always good. His word. And like I said, because you don't have the vantage view and the oversight that God has, you don't know what could have been if he had not been as good as he has been to you. And so every time you compare yourself with somebody else, you are saying, Lord, can you change my position from this position of goodness to another position that is bereft of the assumptions that my own life needs? And let me see if I would actually do better than I did before. And you are, you are, you are telling God how to do his job. <laughs> He's good to you. You believe it by faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Tell your neighbor God is good. And personalize it. God has been good to me. Doesn't matter what you go through. God has been good to you. He's been so good. Don't ever let the devil make you believe otherwise. He's so good. As we begin to wrap up those thoughts tonight. Good morning. <laughs> Amen. How do you get out of despair? By understanding the nature of God and the immutability of His purpose. <laughs> Sorry, it's plenty English, but pardon me. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, this teaching, listen to it again. Please, I, I, I urge you, listen to the teaching again. So bless your heart. Especially at moments when you feel down. <laughs> when you feel like, man, what's there in this life? You know when you begin to sound like a philosopher, be careful. Say, what is life? <laughs> please, please, please. When we begin to ask what is life. I saw, I saw a, you know, a comic, um, you know, main recently. He said, if you, if you are bored in a, in a car or in a bus, there are plenty of people there. <laughs> and you don't want people to talk just shout I don't tire for this country Hey, you will hear what 
Jeez, till you enter your bus stop. Why? Because people are just, everybody's tired. Despair everywhere, hopelessness. People don't believe in Nigeria, people don't believe in themselves. People don't have faith anymore. Jesus says, when he returns, will he find faith? Will he find hope? Will he find people still believing? Because so much has entered their broken walls. Things have taken garrison of their house. Taken over their cities. Determining what they do. They have become victims in their own city. So they are directed by the news, directed by the economy, directed by their bank accounts. They cannot be joyful in spite of things. And waiting for that elusive happiness. God did not promise you happiness. <laughs> he promised you joy. And you can cash in on joy immediately. <laughs> happiness, you have to wait till things happen before you can be happy. But joy, right now you can cash in on it. John 14, I like that. You cashed in on it immediately. Praise God. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Believe in me. Believe also in God. In my Father's house, there are many many mansions if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you so that where i am you can also be and i will come back <laughs> i will come back for you praise the name of the lord jesus is such a good god he paints pictures of goodness Woo! Uh, the last two things right meditate on the goodness of god and start by new creation realities don't start with your bank account <laughs> If you start with your bank account, you end there. <laughs> start with what David started with. Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He forgives me all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. He delivers my life from destruction. And he crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things. And the good things is not chicken. It's the word. Bible says of those who have tasted of the good word. Hebrews 6. So the good things it satisfies your mouth with is not chicken. It's not um, pasta midday, pineapple shrimp fried rice. It's not that. It's not. And I know a lot of times we think, I satisfy my mouth with good things. I want to taste the good things. Let me believe in God. No, that's not what he satisfies your mouth with. He satisfies your mouth with the good word of God. With the good word. Hebrews 6. And I've tasted the good word Woo! the word of god is good and the path of the world to come that's what he satisfies your mouth with and so everything david thank god for we can't touch it <laughs> we can't touch it so so you have no reason not to be grateful because everything david thank god for you can't touch it you can't say i thank god for this you can't touch it forgiveness of sins healing of your of your body you can't touch it supernatural things when you start from there you can go for days you are still thanking god but when you start with your bank account ah <laughs> praise god <laughs> hallelujah so you understand the second thing you understand the nature of god and the immutability of his promise of his purpose hebrews as we begin to wrap up right now hebrews chapter 6 this is so powerful what i'm about to share with you hebrews chapter 6 are you blessed in service already Hebrews is just after Shebrews. In case you're still trying to locate it. How many of you know Shebrews? Because it's not only he that brews, isn't it? She's too brew. Amen. My wife brews tea and coffee and stuff, so she can as well brew. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. This fan. Apologies, please. I can be a little razz. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible says, whew, I like, I like Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 13, the Bible says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiply, I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing. Oh, I like that. That is, what do you need me to do to assure your heart that I will do what I said I would do? He says, willing, whatever your terms are, I will do it. You need men to swear, I will swear too. Just to convince you that I will do exactly what I've told you that I will do. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath 
that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope also we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. It doesn't stay outside of the veil. It enters into that which is within the veil. We know that the foreigner, the foreigner is for us, entered even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, Jesus is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. God is about to make a promise to Abraham. He says, what is the, how do you guys make promises that ensures that you can go to bed believing that the person that has made the promise will do what he says he will do? He says, we have to swear. Because there's a difference between a promise and an oath. Can you pray underneath your breath? I see Jola praying underneath her breath and I received an, um, an, an urge in my spirit as well. Just pray underneath your breath right now. Pray underneath your breath. You're about to receive a word that will change your next 10 years. And I say that by the Spirit. I say that by the Spirit. Something is about to drop into your spirit right now that will determine the course of your life for the next 10 years. So pray in the Spirit right now. Pray in the Spirit. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's always good to be connected when you are listening to, to, to the word. There are times you receive nudges and promptings to pray in the spirit while you are receiving the word. You mix it immediately with faith because when you pray in the spirit, you're praying on your most holy faith. So, so that the word does not just slip off. You mix it immediately by praying in the spirit. Praise God. And so Hebrews 6, the Bible says that God was willing to show abundantly to the hearers of promise the immutability of his counsel. So he combined the promise with an oath. What is the difference between a promise and an oath? If you check it on Google, there may not be so much difference in the way they would define it. Because Google is not spirit inspired. So I searched the search engine of the heavens. And he told me the difference between a promise and an oath. And I was blown. He said, a promise has no governor over it. Apart from the person giving the promise. So if I promise you, I will do something. I'm the author and finisher of that promise. If I don't fulfill that promise, you have nothing to... to hold me accountable by because I am the promiser and I didn't swear to God that promise I, I only promise you and once I promised you I, you have to depend on the integrity of my heart to fulfill that promise and so God's promise is immutable God has too much integrity to go back on something he has said to you too much, too much. However, because you need in your human balance you need a swearing, you need an oath to guarantee that promise because what you swear is that you don't swear to yourself you swear by someone greater so that in case your integrity fails you somebody is able to dole out consequences and judgment on you if you fail on your promise so you swear by shopper quote unquote because there is a god of leprosy that can strike you with leprosy in case you fail to deliver on your promise that is the difference between a promise and an oath so when you promise you are the guarantor of your promise when you swear by an oath there is something greater than yourself that is guarding the effective engagement and fulfillment of that promise other than yourself and what makes us swearing powerful is the power of the one you have sworn by to execute judgment so that is why people swear by dangerous things you swear by things that are more dangerous than all the parties involved in the promise so guess what once you now swear by something greater than both of you the person you have made promise to does not have to check up on you or follow up he goes to bed there is something that you have sworn by that will condition the person to come to pass based on the promise that he has given he can go to bed and say you have promised me and you have sworn it's okay i don't have to be checking up on you will you do what you said you will do will, have you done it will you when will you do it you swore by something greater than both of us that thing is what will deal with you if you fail and you are now conditioned by the fear of the consequence of your breach of the contract. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God safeguarded the promise he made to Abraham by both a promise and an oath. So God is both the one who makes the promise and he's the one to dole out consequences to himself if he perhaps fails on his promises. This is why you say, God will self-destruct if he does not fulfill. Because he guards over, he is the one you have sworn by. He is both the promiser 
and the promise keeper. There's a difference. The promise keeper is over and above the promiser. Because even when the promiser fails and tries to fail, there is a promise keeper that says, if you try it, there is a consequence attached to your failure to fulfill the terms of your promises. And so God willing to ensure that Abraham can go to bed forever. He said, I have guaranteed this promise by first the promise in itself, which cannot fail. And then I now guarded it. I sealed the promise by an oath. That oath ensures that if I try not to fulfill it, you see, God will fulfill his promise to you not only because he loves you. He loves you, but not only because he loves you. But in order to continue to perpetuate his existence, he must fulfill his promise. If he does not, he will self-destruct. That is why the Bible says, by his oath and his promise. If they are the same thing, they won't combine them. They are different. An oath places the burden of fulfillment on something greater than the parties involved in the promise making. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so concerning your life, there are promises that God cannot help but fulfill. Time does not threaten the fulfillment. It only ensures that you get yourself in position to receive it. <laughs> Listen, when you don't understand this, you will use time to judge the faithfulness of God. There is no time, no matter how long, that can stop the fulfillment of God's word. Bible says, he that cometh will come. Ah! It's one, of, it's one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. He says, he that cometh will come. <laughs> he that said he will come, he will come. It does not matter how long it takes. Time inconsequential. Listen, Bible says this hope is both sure and steadfast. Sure and steadfast. When I tie something to this thing and I try to pull it, you see, when I tie something to it, and let's say what I, this thing is something immovable, it's like in a foundation, something that is so strong, and I tie something else, like a rope, to that, and I tie it to something that can be dragged by this thing. Or let's say this thing is movable, but it's much stronger than what I've tied it to. So that everywhere this one moves to, that one can also move to, towards that same position. Now, what happens is that when I tie that rope, the, the, the power of that consistent movement along the same path with this is dependent on the strength of the rope right are you hearing what i'm saying not the power of this one the strength of the rope this thing is sure and steadfast right this one cannot move but the hope also the hope is the anchor that anchors what is already inside the veil to my reality this, if I strengthen my anchor and my hope and I fine-tune the picture that is in my heart, that the Holy Spirit has placed in my heart, you see, when wherever this one goes to, I will enter there because there is strength in the anchor. So what do you do with to, to test the strength of an anchor? You subject it to pressure. You subject, just to be sure that it can hold what I've tied to it. So you subject it you try to even cut it be sure that you see if you have carried your weight and you placed it on that ankle and it does not it does not give way then you are sure that if it can withstand that pressure it can withstand the pressure of pulling this along with it time is not to threaten the promise it's to guarantee it actually it's to guarantee it how do we know that the promise is sure when after 15 years you are still believing we know the promise is sure. Time will come to test. Are you sure this hope is sure and steadfast in your heart? Are you sure? Are you sure? And so people use time as a reason to judge God's unfaithfulness. God is saying time is working for you. Stop using time to judge against me. Wait on him. That's the next verse. Verse 14. Psalms 27. Verse 14, check it, check it. He says, 
time is for you. It's not against you. He says, help me please. Psalms 27 verse 14. guys come on now let me go to my analog psalms 27 psalms is just immediately after genesis you see psalms there 27 verse 13 verse 14 said wait on the lord oh, yeah he says be of good courage he says he shall strengthen your heart he says but wait i say on the lord there is guarantee that it will come through. But if your anchor disconnects from him, even though that word is sure and is true, you will not experience it because your anchor caught away. You need to strengthen your anchor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The picture of hope in your heart must be crystal clear. You must continue to see and behold in a glass the glory of the Lord. You must continue to picture the future that he has, he has earmarked for you. That is what strengthens the anchor. The moment that anchor is strengthened, forget it. It does not matter how long it takes. It will drag you to where it ends up. Wherever this one ends up, you will enter with it. Because the anchor is strong. And God gives you pictures to paint. He, he gives pictures in your heart. When you spend time with him in the realm of the spirit, when you spend time in worship and fellowship, I cannot begin to tell you how many things I said will come to pass. I said it based on what I received in the realm of the spirit. I said to myself and I said to people around me and I said, this thing will come to pass and they have come to pass in the exact fashion I said them because I did not fashion them from my intellect. I saw them in the realm of the spirit. I strengthened that picture in my heart by consistent cultivation. I entered into the reality of those things eventually. So God does not just say meditate on my goodness because that will refer to the things he has done already. But then he will paint pictures of a promise of the future in your heart. So you meditate on the goodness based on historicals. And then you begin to furnish your heart with the dimensions of the things he will place in your heart in fellowship and in worship. When you meditate on what he said he will do, there is nothing in this life that can cut you away from that expectation. Nothing. This is why the Bible says, surely there is an end. There is an expectation you have tied to a picture you saw in the realm of the spirit. It will come to pass. Just no matter how long it takes. I told myself I will become deputy head boy in this college, secondary school. As a GSS1 boy, I told myself, I don't know where that, that picture came from. It must have come from my spirit. I said it to myself and I consistently said it. Until I became it without lobbying. God made sure it happened. Because it was the picture that was rooted into that which was behind the veil. See, you must collect pictures that are not outside the veil. They must be situated inside the veil. Inside the veil is where you are ending up. That's where you are ending up. And inside the veil is not your flesh. It's not carnal thoughts. They are rooted in the spirit. Your spirit is the most innermost part of your life. When you enter into that place that is within the veil, you pick out pictures. You will drag your experience inside it. You will drag it inside. You ensure you continue to cultivate the picture you see in that which is inside the veil. Entered university and said, in, on this campus, I will preach to this crowd, the largest crowd on campus at the time. I told myself as a part one student, I did it more than once. And no student had done it before I did it. Because I saw the picture. And these were not ambitious pictures. So don't just say things that are ambitious. I will, I will. No, no. Enter into that which is within the veil. Get a picture in fellowship. Your experience which is typically outside the veil will enter inside. Yesterday, I was reviewing my expectation notes. I wrote 20 things that I wanted in 2020. God has done 17. 17. And by the end of this year, by God's grace, he would have perfected it because they were not they were not carnal expectations guess one of those expectations as at december last year i said new property for church i wrote it there december last year i wrote it here we are november 2020 when at that time we we're not even up to 30 we didn't there was no reason to be thinking of a new venue 
as at December last year, but I wrote it, a new property for church. My baby is one of those expectations. A car is one of those expectations. God has done 17 out of 20. And at that rate of completion, normally, logically, analytically, he will do the rest. He will do the rest. So, don't just say, ah, meditate on the goodness. Meditate. No, meditate on the goodness to give your heart attitude and positive vibes. Then latch on what he has, con has promised concerning you in the future. Latch on it. And if you don't have it yet, go enter into the realm of the spirit. Go and pray and fast. People are no longer spiritual. I'm telling you the truth. You need to be spiritual. You need to be spiritual. There are days you will go on fast that nobody marked for you. You go on 40 days fast that nobody sent you. You will go on it. You enter it. They say, I enter. I want to enter this thing. And then it will show you pictures. You can't leave that place without pictures. That is what it downloads into your spirit. Pictures. You just see things. Those things are rooted in the spirit. You didn't create them in your mind. Your mind is too small to catch a picture in the future. It's your spirit. He will, he will bring it near and he will show it to you. So he will bring sheaves that are bowing down to you. He will bring the sun and the moon to bow down to your stars. And then he will just show you an imagery of Pharaoh's palace. And then 13 years will have to go by for that thing to come to pass. But it will come to pass. It will. He will just show you that picture just to, to anchor you to something. Say, this is where you are going. So let that hope be sure and steadfast. So time will come and test it. Do you believe what you said you believe? Are you sure this thing will not break and cut? And then you continue to cultivate that picture. There is nothing in all of the universe that can stop you from entering into the reality that the Lord has furnished in your heart. That God will do it is, is unquestionable. But you can draw back. The Bible says we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. We are of them that believe unto the saving of the soul until we enter into that which is within the veil. We don't back down. We don't stop believing. And so be part of the people that keeps believing in the new Nigeria. It does not matter how terrible the rot is, how deeply rooted the corruption is. Guess what? There are still some called the righteous. And for the sake of the remnant and the lot of the righteous in this nation, the Lord will revitalize Nigeria. And I tell you this by the Spirit, because it's a picture we have seen. And if, you, if you've been with us for the last 19 days of the fast, you realize that we've been speaking words concerning this nation. This nation will not go down the drain. Not with the righteous. No, not with the righteous. It was so high. And so, look for pictures in the realm of the Spirit. Listen, if you don't see these pictures, you will make calculations, too many intellectual calculations before you make decisions. God will say resign, you will not be able to resign. You, you won't be able to because you have not seen a picture. You'll be like, how will I survive? You have not seen a picture. If you have seen a picture, you know that you've passed this, you've passed it. <laughs> because you live more in that hope than even in the present. Andrew Mark will say things like, whenever he's building anything, he's more excited at the face of building than when he eventually sees the physical reality. By the time he sees the physical reality, he's on the next project. He's no longer excited about this one. He lives more in that future. That's how you ought to live. Are you still with me? Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you because despair has been banished. Fear banished. Anxiety killed. Faith revived. Hope comes alive in our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because we believe to see your goodness. And we will see it. In the land of the living, not when we are dead and we go to heaven. In the land of the living, we will see the goodness of God. Thank you, Father, for answer prayers. We give you praise and we give you glory. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. Can you celebrate the Lord with understanding? With understanding. Celebrate.